You're listening to Faith, Finance, and Freedom with financial advisor, Drew Lehman. Welcome back, everyone. On today's episode, we'll talk about the dollar and whether it will be replaced as the world reserve currency. We'll also touch on the China-Taiwan situation and what you should be doing, and then, of course, we'll talk about a recent Bible reading of mine. So let's dive right in. So, is the dollar at risk of being replaced as the world reserve currency? Well, what does this mean in the first place, and what would happen if it actually took place? I've been hearing a lot about this recently, as a lot of the talking heads are spending much of their time on this topic. I'm sure you've heard about it as well. There has recently been some news about countries like Brazil and China striking agreements that deal directly in their own currencies instead of using the U.S. dollar. And some of the talk show hosts are saying that this is the beginning of the end of the dollar's reign on the world stage. And thus, we should be concerned with the value of the dollar. Well, let's break this all down a bit. First of all, what does it mean to be the world reserve currency? Essentially, what this means is that other countries will use the U.S. dollar to perform transactions between the two of them. They both typically have large quantities of the dollar in their own federal banks, and there are large quantities stored at centralized banks as well. They do this as they view the U.S. dollar as a stable, trusted currency that neither of the interested parties has control over. You see, if they were to do a transaction in one of their own currencies, there would have to be a level of trust among them that the host country would not be manipulating said currency in a way to benefit themselves. Herein lies the main issue at stake when it comes to the conversation about the dollar being replaced. The dollar is used as it is widely known as the most stable currency available, and it represents the world's largest economy. Yes, the dollar is manipulated by the Federal Reserve and the U.S. Treasury, and no, I'm not a big fan of how this is done. However, this manipulation is done through public policy that can be scrutinized and debated about at any point in time. The problem with other countries, and thus other currencies, is they either represent economies that simply don't have the scale large enough to handle these types of international transactions, or the government that controls the currency plays all sorts of secret manipulation games that cannot be trusted. China would be the prime example here. Their currency, the yuan, is really one of the only other currencies large enough to be considered an option for the world reserve currency, but no real developed economies are willing to transact using yuans as they simply cannot trust what China is doing behind the scenes. China basically just makes up data to say that the yuan is worth what they say it's worth. They make up data for all sorts of things, actually. For instance, during the whole COVID drama over the last couple of years, China has stated that they've only had around 83,000 deaths from the virus, while most health experts, once again, I hate even using that term, but most health experts believe that this number is actually 1.5 million or higher. We cannot trust what China says about the currency, and most countries aren't willing to take what China says to the bank either. So why would a country like Brazil choose to transact directly with China in their own currencies? Well, for starters, China is Brazil's largest trade partner. They import and export billions of goods with each other every year. Brazil's government has also dealt with major corruption claims over the years, and has had similar issues with manipulating the Brazilian real 
as China has with Yuan. So really what you have here is two bad world players doing deals directly with each other. This news would be drastically different if it were developed European nations dealing with each other, avoiding the dollar, but that's not what's going on here. You have two corrupt governments that regularly play currency manipulation games dealing directly with each other. It's really a non-event when it comes to threats against the US dollar. Now, if the dollar were indeed to be no longer considered the world reserve currency, that would indeed spell major economic issues for the US economy. The dollar could potentially crash in value, which means the stock market would also crash, and also your money that's sitting in the bank would be worthless, and every other asset that you have would likely be worthless as well. We would essentially be in an Armageddon situation where food, ammo, water, etc. might become incredibly helpful. However, I'm not trying to scare you. Again, I don't see this happening. There would have to be a replacement currency to take over the world reserve status from the dollar. Can you think of any currency out there that would fill this requirement? We already covered the yuan and why that's a terrible fit. So what else is out there? The euro? Well, it's had some success against the dollar, but the issue with the euro has to do with stability. The European Union has seen some serious turmoil in the last several years, most notably with the whole Brexit situation, where the largest economy within the Union just left altogether. The EU without Great Britain makes up a smaller percentage of the world economy than the US. And the problem with the EU is that there's always the threat of more countries wanting political autonomy and deciding to exit. While the euro is used as a reserve currency in some circumstances, especially between EU countries themselves, the US is still the preferred choice due to stability. The British pound won't do either, as the UK without the rest of the EU pales in size comparison with the US economy. The US economy is about eight times bigger than the UK. So while there's a less political uncertainty, the mere size makes it a non-contender. The Japanese yen has also been all over the place with the incredible volatile Japanese economy. I could go on and on here with all the different currencies that are currently out there. The point is, the US dollar is still today viewed as the number one world currency, and this is likely not going to change anytime soon. That's not to say it can't happen someday, but unlikely in our current economic environment, and it, we're likely several years away from this. Which leads me to a kind of related topic. So what's going on with the whole China and Taiwan situation? Is China about to attack Taiwan and what does this mean for our economy? Let's back up a little bit and discuss the whole history here between China and Taiwan, as I think it's important to understand what's really going on. The area of Taiwan has been under the control of several different groups dating all the way back to the 1500s. However, the main history with China dates back just to the 1950s. During this time, there was a civil war in China between the Republic of China and the Chinese Communist Party. Ultimately, this led to about 1.2 million people relocating from mainland China to the island of Taiwan, as these people in particular did not want to live under the repressive regime of the CCP. Ever since this time, the CCP has tried to claim ownership of Taiwan, and there's been constant tension between the two countries. 
China doesn't even recognize Taiwan as a separate nation. So why does all of this matter to Americans and the U.S. economy? Well, there are several ways to answer this, as I could do a whole hour on whether or not we should be trying to support free people in free countries around the world. But let's focus on the economic impact. Taiwan is currently responsible for the production of about 80% of the world's semiconductors. These semiconductors are in most of our technology today. Many people basically think of semiconductors belonging to smartphones and computers, but it's much, much more than this. These chips are used in everything, from your car to your smartphone to your dishwasher. Every good that has an electronic component involved uses a semiconductor, and most of these are produced in Taiwan. In addition to this, the Taiwan Strait is a very important piece of water to the international trade community as a whole. It's a key trade route between East and Southeast Asia. So the question is, is China really about to attack Taiwan? It's possible. However, I'm also not convinced that it's quite as imminent as some of the talking heads say that it is. I'm not saying there's no way that China attacks. It's very possible that it could happen. But I simply have some questions. First of all, if they're going to attack, why haven't they done it yet? You see, the main reason China has held off over the last decade is they've been afraid of the international response, mainly that of the U.S. The U.S. is key to China's economy because if the U.S. were to, say, shut off trade with China altogether, their entire economy would implode. So China has been closely watching the U.S., and they're trying to watch what they're doing both militarily, as of course they'd have concerns there, as well as economically over the last several years. My question is, with the weak administration that's currently in office in the U.S., why would China wait until this administration is potentially almost done before attacking Taiwan? We know that with the terrain in Taiwan coupled with the pride and fighting ability of the Taiwanese people, this is not an overnight victory for the CCP. This war could potentially take years. China's not just going to come in and wipe them out before noon. So, if China's going to attack, the clock is absolutely ticking. If they attack Taiwan and then say, I don't know, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis were to win in 2024, and the Chinese offensive against Taiwan was still going on, what might happen? I'm not saying that this is the case. I'm just saying that I'm sure China has thought this through as well. But let's say they do attack. What does that mean? Well, I don't think it's quite as drastic as some make it out to be. We certainly would have some major supply issues for a while, and it would cause a short-term pain, including volatility in the stock market. But ultimately, it would lead to more chip production in the United States and other areas of the world. I think ultimately, it would turn out to be a good thing for us to have a diversification in where we rely on for our semiconductors. What I'm saying is long-term, this would be good for our supply chain. Now, that doesn't mean I'm arguing for this to happen, as I'd much rather have a free people in Taiwan, not under the oppressive CCP regime. 
I just don't give in to the sky is falling critics that say this would mean absolute disaster for the U.S. It would mean short-term pain, there's no doubt about that, while we're ramping up our own U.S. semiconductor manufacturing. But it'd be followed by less dependence on foreign governments, which ultimately, it's a good thing for the U.S. economy. Okay, now that we've solved all of the geopolitical issues around the world, let's talk about scripture, my favorite part. As of this recording, we just got done celebrating the Easter season. This, of course, is a time of much reflection for me. What really hit me this year was thinking about the disciples during and after Jesus' crucifixion. Try with me for a second to put yourself in their shoes for a minute. They just got done following Jesus for three whole years. They dropped everything. They left families behind, gave up businesses, gave up their life for this guy. And then, one day, they witnessed him get absolutely beaten and suffer a brutal crucifixion. They watched him die, and they watched him be buried. It was over. By it, I mean their belief. They had believed in this guy to be the Messiah but now they no longer believed. In Luke chapter 24, we learn that Mary Magdalene, Mary the mother of James, and some other women went to the tomb to ceremoniously cleanse Jesus' body with spices. But of course, they found the tomb empty. We know how the story goes. They then went to tell the disciples. But verse 11 tells us, But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. It's really easy to understand where the disciples are coming from here. Everything they had done for the last three years seemed to have been a waste. Everything was lost. They had lost all hope. But then we learn just another verse or two later that Jesus appeared. He rose from the grave and he showed them who he really was. It just all brings back to me some stuff I've been going through recently. Have you ever felt like all was lost? Like you had no hope remaining? I know I have at times. I've had times where I couldn't see through my circumstances and felt like I was going to lose everything. But the beautiful thing is although we all go through a quote-unquote Friday situation from time to time, Sunday always comes. Jesus did rise from that grave, and he has a plan for your life. What you need to do now is to stop focusing on your own circumstances and start focusing on serving him. He will get you through whatever you're going through, and you will be better for it. All right, well, it's been a pleasure as usual. Until next time, God bless.